HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Our master cheesemaker program is one of the only two in the world. So it's no wonder every master in America has called Wisconsin home. Find your next favorite cheese and meet our makers at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, October 6, 2021. And guess what? We are back at Heritage Radio Network studio in the backyard of Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This is our 303rd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a wonderful chef from Hawaii, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to strive to be a fan favorite. Yes, someone who is liked and likable, admired for their personality, values, and overall attitude. Simply put, a good soul. People can see through BS and what's real or not and will ultimately gravitate towards the genuine. So let's remember to be our kindest and most authentic selves, as life is not about whether you win or lose the game, it's about how we play it. That's my tip today. Now I'm really excited to have my guest joining me all the way from Hawaii, brought him out to Brooklyn. (laughs) It is Sheldon Simeon. He is the chef and owner of Tin Roof, a new generation mom and pop restaurant in Maui, Hawaii. Sheldon, who was born on the big island of Hawaii, acquired his love for cooking from his family. He attended the Maui Culinary Academy, worked in various restaurants on Maui before competing on seasons 10 and then season 14 of Bravo's hit competition cooking show, Top Chef. And he won fan favorite both times. In 2016, he opened his first restaurant, Tin Roof, and then in 2018, he opened Lineage, uh, which was named a James Beard Award finalist for Best New Restaurant in 2019. He left Lineage in 2020 to focus on his first cookbook, Cook Real Hawaii, which came out in spring 2021, earlier this year. Without further ado, hi, Sheldon. Welcome to the show. 
Hi. Uh, so awesome to be here in Brooklyn. Let me tell you, it's a canoe ride away from home. <laughs> yes, I should say aloha. 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 Yeah, yeah, Welcome yeah. to Bushwick. That's it. We're trying to bring that aloha vibe to to the city, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had to look back at at my photo album from Hawaii because I'd been there once and I can never remember how long ago. <laughs> I think everything was five years ago. Um, but I was there in 2014. Amazing. For the... My excuse was to go to the Hawaii Wine and Food Festival, okay. um, which I went to, which was great. And I also went to Maui. Perfect. Um, so I have a little familiarity with your where your restaurant mm-hmm. restaurant is now, um, but I've never been to the Big Island. Yeah. Uh, so talk a little bit. Take us back to your childhood and growing up in Hawaii and what it was like. Yeah. You know, like going back to like the islands that you visit, you know, that's what's ma- amazing about Hawaii. It is still paradise and always will be paradise, but each island is very unique uh, to its own. And I grew up in this small little town on the east side uh, called Hilo. It's uh, actually like the rainiest uh, town in the USA. So if you think of that vibe, it's like this sleepy town that's uh, oriented in, in Ohana and community and uh, just a simple simple upbringing with a family that loves food and uh, inevitably became a chef. Did you think you wanted to be a chef growing up or when when did you decide or that it would become <laughs> your career versus just cooking with the fam? Yeah, you know, uh, at least through through high school, cooking has always been a part of me. You know, there's like photos of me just cooking with my grandparents and stuff. But through high school, I thought I was going to be an actual, I wanted to be an architect. I love buildings, I love design, and I love, uh, you know, project work like that. Uh, but came the senior year around, you know, they got the senioritis, kind of slacked a little bit. And my brother, who is uh, three years older than me, went to culinary school. And since we've been cooking our whole lives, I've seen how he kind of cruise to culinary school. I decided I wanted to just enroll in that. But once I was in, in culinary school, I was like, I loved everything about it, you know. Yeah. I love... Yeah, I love the stress. I love going to working with the with the chefs uh, in the islands and um, seeing how food actually like really touched people. You know, prior to that, it was like cooking only for family, but here I was cooking for strangers, and that all of that excited me. And uh, and that's I knew that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, where did where did you cook in? After culinary school, was it always yeah. on islands in Hawaii? No, uh, an internship. Took me all the way to Walt Disney World. Oh, yeah, heard of it. Been yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I met my my wife there. I had to meet. I went all the way to Florida to meet a Maui girl. In fact. Oh, how funny! <laughs> yeah, and uh, fell in love. Followed her back to Maui, and uh, that is my home. That's been my home for the past twenty years. And uh, I started at a very humble uh, mixed plate shop, selling local food. You know, as a as a dishwasher, as a line cook, and then work my butt off to become sous chef, and then the chef, and then there was other opportunities to open up other restaurants with that, with that company, and uh, yeah, while I was doing a, a restaurant called Star Noodle, had the opportunity to go on a weird little show called Top Chef. Oh, that <laughs> weird little show! But so, so, but what, what sparked? your interest or you to audition did mm-hmm. someone suggest it to you you know uh we had an amazing team at this uh 
this restaurant called Star Noodle, and uh, we got recognized for for our efforts. You know, we won best new restaurant for every local publication. We got recognized by the James Beard Award. Uh, we got Rising Star best restaurants. So we got um, Food and Wine best new chef uh, in that for that year, and yeah, got a, got a, a lot. got a phone call, and uh, yeah. Oh, so they reached out. Yeah, yeah. And were you were you hesitant at all, or were you like, oh, you know, I'll give this a try? Yeah. I, I never thought of myself as one of being, you know, like a chef of, of competing, you know. And I wasn't classically trained. Here I am, a dishwasher turned chef. I, it was all all came from just hard work. I, I didn't think well, it was from talent, so to say. I mean, like I put hard work before before my skill of, of moving up. And uh, you know, I never cooked in any fancy restaurant. I never even visited any any major cities or anything prior to that. So. Uh, I was a little nervous at first, so to say. Yeah, and so the first season was Seattle, so that was your first yeah. time there. Um, I mean, what was it? What was it like competing? And then they brought you back to to do the season fourteen, which I think was some mm-hmm. part people had been on the show, and then newcomers too. Correct. Yeah, and you did very well on both shows. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the first challenge kind of just. Uh, got the butterflies out. Uh, you know, it was a quick fire challenge uh, where we was first whisked into the restaurant, and I looked at everyone, and they told us their resumes. You know, like three star Michelin chef, and or chef in LA with multiple restaurants, and here I am, just this practically this kid in the middle of of the ocean, and I was nervous. And uh, I was like, okay, how am I? My skills gonna be on par with these guys, and uh, ended up being on top on that challenge, and that gave me the confidence to just like continue on is like okay yeah i can i can uh cut it up with these guys and uh it just all fell into place uh, challenge after challenge and uh made it to the end of both times yeah no it's amazing i remember watching and (laughs) and you you, and rooting you on and the fact that you got fan favorite twice i mean it says a lot i obviously my tip was dedicated to you (laughs) (laughs) Right on. You know, I try try to be myself with always like, uh, you know, two things on my shoulder: my family and uh, and Hawaii. And knowing that I was representing them, and uh, I just wanted to represent well, and always thought about them when I was doing my thing. Yeah. So after the show, you moved you moved back to Maui and decided to open a restaurant. Yeah, I moved back to Maui. I did a thing. I I I left. uh, Well. Before my second time, I took a break. After my first, after my first time on on Top Chef, uh, I was grinding for a few, like a little over ten years, and I needed a break. Mm-hmm. So I took the whole summer off, spent it with my kids, and it was amazing, you know. And That's uh, nice. I met this guy named Shep Gordon. Uh, oh, okay. On Maui, kind of an amazing human being, and uh, decided to open up a restaurant called Migrant at that time at the Marriott uh, Wailea. And, uh, you know, got to cook for a lot of amazing people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all, the cele- all the celebrities, when they come to Maui, they, they see uh, Papa Shep. And uh, it, was, it was great. I stayed I stayed at the Andaz when I was there, which was so nice. Yeah, the Andaz is an amazing and property. I 
I seriously was like, I want to open, if I open a second office location somewhere, <laughs> it's going to be in Maui. Yeah. I mean, that's how much I just fell in love. It was so beautiful. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I still think about yeah. it. it. So The ongoing joke is when everyone, people, is they're like, you know, you should have won Top Chef is like, I live in Maui. I kind of win, you know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> not a joke. It's fact. <laughs> um, so, so then, what led you to open Tin Roof? Yeah, uh, it was this Japanese bento shop that I've been visiting for ten years, and it fed the community for twenty-five years. And over those ten years, I became friends with the family. And you know, like chef dreaming is like, if you ever they wanted to retire or decided to move on. And I would love to have that opportunity. And one day I got the phone call. And uh, a year later, we opened up Tin Roof. Wow. <laughs> and tell us about the type of food you're doing there. So Tin Roof is a humble 500 square foot takeout restaurant serving simple local food. Uh, basically rice bowls that, that you get with uh, island favorites as mochiko fried chicken and chopped steak and garlic shrimp. Um, but it's just fun, approachable food for any, anybody who comes to the island. Yeah, I was looking on the map of where it is, and it's more north of where I was, like closer to the, where the road to, to Hana. Hana is, which, yeah. where, which where, I did, oh. which is tedious. Yeah, you, did you put the road to Hana tattoo on it? That's pretty much, you, you, you earn some, a stripe if you make it through the Hana, Hana road. I, I earned a stripe, but I, I mean, it's it's... I, honestly, I still think about is it is it worth it just because it's so you have to go slow and I like to go fast. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to like. It's a just, common thing with yeah, you New Yorkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It had, but then but then that's good to slow down. But yes, I think it is worth doing if anyone's listening. It's beautiful and and I remember <laughs> driving through the town part, which I think yeah. that's. Well, we're 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 actually just like a minute from the airport, so it's okay. It's awesome to greet people and and then send them off uh, on their way back home. Well, but you know, first and foremost, we're we're a community restaurant. We wanted to continue that and honor the restaurant that fed the community for twenty five years. So we're trying to be that modern uh, mom and pop shop, so to say. Yeah. Well, another excuse to go back. I'm Let's go. Restaurant. I have we'll to keep check putting out. that energy in here. Hawaii vibes. Yes. Yes. I love it. So then uh, you opened Lineage. Yeah. Which, which <laughs> tell us about that because I feel it's a, a little different style or, totally. or more. Okay. It's a, it was a restaurant that I've been dreaming about. You know, it's like showcasing the food that uh, I had in uh, growing up in Hawaii, but presented in you know on a beautiful plate, on uh, using impeccable ingredients, and showcasing the food that maybe haven't been seen in in uh, in media. I think a stereotype that comes to Hawaii food that it's tropical, right? That it's laced in pineapple and topped with mango, and there's little umbrellas in every single drink <laughs> and an uh, orchid that that is garnished on the plate. Uh, but when you really peel back the layers, you see that the food is based in history of the people who made Hawaii their home. You know, the Hawaiians, the uh, the Filipinos, the Japanese, all those who came to work on the sugarcane field all brought their culture with them and made this rich, amazing, delicious food that makes up Hawaii. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, sounds amazing. And you decided to move on from there to you were focusing on your cookbook. Yeah, we we're focusing on the cookbook. And, you know, here I am, a chef that is going out to the world and talking about my experience of cooking with my family and enjoying that being side by side with my dad. And all I was doing was working in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I seen day by day my kids growing older, you know, my daughter missing another cheerleading competition and missing another volleyball game. And that, it tore me apart uh, knowing that they mean the world to me. And the most that's the that's the priority. And that, uh, you know, there will be many years to come ahead to that. I can open another restaurant, but I don't want to miss that time with my kids growing up. Another reason why I'd say you're a fan favorite. <laughs> Because you have four kids, right? I, that I know of, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Funny. <laughs> yes, four beautiful children. On the record, okay. Four beautiful children with my wife Janice there. And uh, yeah, the, the years go by quick, let me tell you. Yeah. So what about the pandemic this past year and a half? I mean, how I read a little bit about what was happening in Hawaii, but yeah. I mean, being there, tell us. Tell us people who were over <laughs> over on the East Coast um, yeah. how it was and how it is now. Yeah. And, you know, this two, last two years has been very interesting you know, for the most isolated landmass in the world. And you know, we're, yeah. we're smack dab in the middle of the ocean. And that what that means is our, our resources are limited, uh, you know, and we had to take care of that. You know, and it was weird for... A economy that is based on tourism that that we that's what through and through there's one thing that that fuels our economy and that's tourism and that all ended for a few months no one coming to the islands mm-hmm. and to go from having you know thousands of, of people in the islands come in and out every day to to no one and our beaches yeah pristine and and empty and the island you could feel the island do a big sigh right just it's time to rest and us us to reflect back uh, it was tough for the for the, the the restaurants out there for sure uh, a lot of restaurants have closed because of that but that's that's across the board uh but it was a time to focus on community and that's what it did the community the reason why tin roof is still open to this day is because the tin roof because the the community they supported us we did the same we fed the kupuna the elders we we gave food to whoever that's all we did there's like who can we feed who needs it the most and uh as the tourists start to open tourism started to open back up uh, we welcome everybody with open arms um but we like i said we have finite resources like Mm. we we have to take care of that so right now it's a balance of of prioritizing our, our community first, the ones who live there, and then how can we still share this paradise with everyone who's coming in? Yeah, did you have to alter your menu um, based on what resources you uh, had? Luckily, we had the perfect systems in place, and that yeah. was a mostly a takeout restaurant. We moved, we moved a few countertops and uh, tried to keep everyone safe. Uh, but yeah, we were blessed with a, with a systems that was all in place that uh, we actually thrived uh, through the pandemic. Well, that's good. Yeah. And when, I mean, was tourism then, when it started coming back, was there an issue with that? Like too many tourists all of a sudden? Yeah, then, you know, as everyone and anybody was coming to Hawaii. Yeah. You know, and th- this last summer we found, we, we've seen more visitors than any, any other time 
before and uh you know it was a bittersweet moment knowing that yeah we're busy our economy is back but uh we haven't fixed the problem of of our our resources and how prioritizing the you know the locals who live there and it was a lot a lot to take in and it's something that we continues uh to to have a balance we got to figure that out of of showcasing hawaii showcasing mm -hmm. this paradise and sharing it with people or making sure that uh, the locals are taken care of and can continue to to live there yeah now it's important i mean being in new york city when you're talking about it's interesting because there's a little similarity being yeah. like new york is a gets a, a lot of tourism and the tourists were gone i mean i would go down to times square <laughs> and be like there would be like one other person in times square it was really weird yeah and now they're back they're back um yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it's um it's it's i mean thinking how how you're isolated and and and, and being it's a destination for tourism and all that definitely right. um was had to make it very difficult well we you know it puts pressure on our leaders to to lead us into this this next moment where where we di we can diversify our comp our diversify our economy and not have to be dependent on on just tourism let's look at other things that we can continue yeah. continue to to uplift hawaii right that's important what so what brought you out to new york city on this trip besides to to my my show with me which yeah so i mean pizza for. the pizza's dope he came for yeah, the yeah, pizza i came for pizza basic pizza that's podcast. it <laughs> podcast <laughs> <laughs> no awesome. um it, and our book came out that I'd like to think, you know, I had a, I yeah. had a good time where when people were at home and, you know, having to, to cook uh, for themselves. Uh, so we've been doing our, our book tours via uh, the web. Uh -huh. you know, we've been doing live shows and promoting the book. And we've always wanted, there's just something about just meeting people face to face and talking about uh, the book Uh up close and personal and we knew that new york city has like a place in my heart uh and because of its diversity and the richness of its uh of the city that we wanted to come out here and, and share it with everyone that's that's great you were at the green market this morning i believe yeah doing some book signings it blew me away the the stories and the ties of of hawaii right there smack dab in the middle of of new york city <laughs> everyone coming up you know, that's great. So, "Cook Real Hawaii" is the the title. What is it meant for people who who don't cook a lot, or or professional chefs, yeah. or anyone? Yeah, I'd like to think that it's it's for anyone. You know, a lot of it is history lessons. A lot of it is talking about how this one dish was influenced uh, by the Japanese uh, immigrants that came to Hawaii. Uh, a lot of it talks about. Uh, me as a chef um, creating restaurants and creating these dishes to to appease uh, everyone and uh, you know it just takes you to this journey of through my lens of how I see Hawaii and a lot of it is things that a lot of recipes that is not shared at resorts so to say you know a lot of visitors see a small percentage of what Hawaii is this is a step into the homes of, of the people of Hawaii yeah. So, what are what are some of the recipes in the book? Is there um, famous mochiko chicken <laughs> yeah. in it? I keep the, hearing about this mochiko chicken. Yeah, my favorite. You know, that's the 
actually the recipe that uh, the photo that is on the cover of the book that mochiko so, chicken so it's in the book <laughs> it's in the book it's in the book and uh you know we're doing a pop-up here to tonight uh in the east village with no one and it's gonna be awesome to be able to share that but the recipes one of the biggest rewards and that's one great thing about social media is the people sharing and seeing them cooking from the book and nailing it too like these guys are plating up the the plates as good as any chef i've ever seen and uh it's so rewarding we really wanted to take people whether how skilled they are take them by the hand and take them to the journey and make them feel successful and a lot of them are just crushing it man and it makes my heart sing it makes i'm so happy for that oh that's awesome and i'm gonna try to hit your pop-up tonight too so i could try your chicken let's (laughs) go yeah i it's uh yeah sounds so delicious change your life (laughs) life-changing chicken (laughs) so let me ask you uh my question for my last guest um on episode 302 i had on andrea strong she's the executive director of roar which is a community of hospitality leaders advocating for new york city's Mm -hmm. independent restaurant industry and creating a path to a sustainable future uh she is known for her uh pioneering food blog called the strong buzz which started in 2003 back when i started doing pr on my own um so her question is would you ever consider opening a restaurant in new york city (laughs) yes 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 that's put that energy out there you know i yeah no hesitation on that i love new york city from when i visited the first time uh this is now seven almost eight years ago when I was still a young chef before Star Noodle. It was such a moment coming from this simple Hilo town, wearing board shorts and and, and slippers every day to my eyes being opened up to this world that, you know, you can dream as big as you you can. And uh, it's forever been in my heart and I love it. I love the energy here. Once I get off the plane and the strut starts to, you know, change a little <laughs> bit, walk, walk a little, walk faster, a little faster too. And, you know, it's that kind of opposite end of the rainbows of, of things that keeps me balanced. So I would love to have my mochiko chicken up here in New York City one day. And we would love it too. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's take a little break and we'll come back. We'll play my speed round game. We'll talk some industry news. I have my solo dining experience and the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. In Wisconsin, cheese is our thing. Wisconsin is the only state in the country that requires a license to make cheese. From curds to cheddar, blue to brick, Wisconsin cheesemakers can do it all. We blend tradition with innovation to create an incredible variety of cheeses that you just can't get anywhere else. You've heard of a PhD, but have you heard of a PH cheese? Otherwise known as the Wisconsin Master Cheesemaker Program. This rigorous study of cheese is an elite accomplishment earned by only 80 talented cheesemakers in Wisconsin, and the program is only one of two in the world. Becoming a master cheesemaker takes 13 years and is basically like a doctorate in a specific variety of cheese with intense requirements to succeed. Our Master Cheesemaker program allows makers to perfect both the art and science of their craft in a tradition so rich you can taste it. 
Find your next favorite cheese and meet our makers at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Sheldon Simeon. He is the chef and owner of Tin Roof, a new generation mom and pop restaurant in Maui, Hawaii. And we're going to play my speed round game, but quick question before we do. Your Instagram handle is Chef Wonder. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Because it's such a great handle. Yeah. Uh, I was always, uh, it's kind of weird. I love all of my old uh, culinary instructors, but I was the kid that asked 101 questions. You know, <laughs> I've, I was so intrigued and every, everything. So it was the, I was the kid that always wondered and like always, always asked too much questions. So Chef Wonder, that's it. Chef Wonder, do a lot of people call you that? Well, uh, I guess now that's, nickname? yeah, it's on the, yeah, yeah, we just hit a uh, hundred something follower, hundred thousand followers. So that's, it's been red. <laughs> not, not bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah. I, I was gonna, I would have been mad at myself if I forgot to ask you that. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> I thought about changing it to Chef Sheldon Simon, but uh, it's stuck. So we're going, no, we're no, going with keep it. it. It's we're great. It. It's great. Your next cookbook could be Chef Wonder. <laughs> Chef Wonder does wonderful things. I don't know. Um, okay. It's my speed round game now. All right. So what this is, is I name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. So okay. I give you a choice. Both. You ready? Uh, yes. <laughs> all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, you look nervous. Yeah. Nah, nah, you're good. Okay. Um, here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Uh, eat out at a restaurant. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Uh, alfresco dining. In Maui. It has to be alfresco. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Oh, or in New York. Um. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Uh, beer. Tasting menu or a la carte? Uh, a la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Uh, communal table. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? No, uh, tip. Garlic shrimp or pokey? Pokey all the way. Okay. Top Chef season 10 or 14? Uh, 14. Okay. <laughs> and no, sometimes I put one in there that everyone's like, I can't answer that. 14. Okay. <laughs> I was at. I was in. Yep. All right. I won't dive deeper into no. that. We'll just leave it like <laughs> we'll that. We'll leave it like that. We'll leave it like that. <laughs> um, cheese plate or dessert? Ooh. Um, cheese plate. Last one is Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Maui. Uh, Maui. Maui. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time I've asked that. The the added Maui to mix and yes, that's very us. close. Brooklyn and, and New York. Okay. Right, 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 okay. Right, we'll see. Right we'll there. see if the, the Andrea right Strong's dream comes true and you open a restaurant okay. in New York City, um, which you, she was, uh, I think reason why behind that question we would love to have you okay so for industry news um big news yesterday came out for restaurant people people follow restaurants um it was all over the news but there was an article on cnn entitled world's 50 best restaurants for 2021 by maureen o'hare and it's exactly that the world's 50 best restaurant awards were yesterday in antwerp 
uh, Belgium. And um, they skipped it last year because of the pandemic. So um, it was I was following it on social media. It's good to see all the chefs get back together, Worldwide Chefs. And uh, the big the big number one went to Noma, Copenhagen's yep. Noma, Rene Redzepi, which also just earned three Michelin stars for amazing. the first time. Yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, this list, um, the the names, you know, the top, um, there's familiar names that have been on, on the list or move around positions. Um, mm-hmm. Just so people know, they decided a few years ago that once you're the number one spot you can't be the number one spot again because that was happening like over and over again the same right, restaurants right, right. were number one so those those are on like, the best of the, the best, best list um but noma i think previously was number one but years ago before they moved locations and uh opened i guess it's a noma 2.0 so um very happy for them i've actually been there once and amazing it was, it was yeah it like deserves number one <laughs> yeah i love seeing all following all their different chefs and their their uh fermentation and just continuing to evolve food you know and like one of their biggest thing is like how are we going to continue to to feed ourselves? and they're mm-hmm. they're taking old techniques in order to uh use it in creative ways but also thinking about the future of our food yes absolutely so, so what, what, I mean, what's your overall take of the world's 50 best? Do you, no. I mean, as a chef, as a restaurateur, do you, I mean, I, what, yeah, what's, what's. I think, you, yeah, I think it's exciting. You know, there was a buzz, you know, like mm-hmm. between all my colleagues, it's like, yo, like right when, when the, when the, the announcement dropped, you know, like there was like a buzz on Twitter, or there was a buzz across the world. And I think we need that for our restaurants. We need something to get excited about and and uplift. You know, I will never be in that in that uh, category or alongside that. But it's amazing to never say never. Never say never. And but I love it to see you know like the amount of New York restaurants that's been on there. And uh, and that day we actually ate at Auto Boy. Oh, nice. Yeah, which yeah, was... because Auto Mix was number forty-three. I think it's the first time they were on the list. Which is um, oh, amazing, well deserved. Yeah, well, absolutely, well deserved. I dined there once when it a couple of years ago, and it was just, mm-hmm. it was magical. I mean, they deserve to be on on it for sure. Yeah, and to to continue on and and to operate at that level, you know, that's mm-hmm. a feat. That's to go in and be dedicated at every single moment. That's uh something that that they should be so proud about yeah absolutely i mean it was there were uh, from the u.s i i noted um san francisco's banu is on the list cosme in new york city um and also single thread um <laughs> which is amazing out in um Healdsburg, mm-hmm. uh, california and i mean it's i it's like i this is i i don't want to sound like I'm going to sound, I don't want to sound obnoxious saying this. I may. <laughs> but I travel a lot and I dine a lot. By I travel a lot around the world. And yeah. I've gone to many of these restaurants. And I've now been, I mean, I am I guess I'm just more like I'm impressed that I've been to so many of these places. Like I've sought them out. But of the, I've been to seven of the ten, top ten solo. And I've been to nine of the ten. Missing, missing what? Last year, I think, last list, I was like ten of the ten. But it's like, it. I've been to a lot of these places. And, and I feel really... I guess I just feel really lucky yeah. that I've been able to experience it. And it is what I prioritize as my life with travel and dining mm-hmm. and where 
I put my money. So um, I love supporting restaurants. Yeah. And um, I feel very grateful that I've been able to experience so many of these places. Yeah, that's rad to go and see insight, you know, to see the inside to a, uh, the mind of a chef. Yeah. To see what they're thinking and the, all all of that energy to, to come up with whatever is input in front of you. And uh, yeah, those are amazing experiences for sure. Yeah, for sure. And something with solo dining, which I've, I enjoyed doing when you at tasting many restaurants, these really top restaurants. I think solo is great because you really you're you're completely focused just yeah. on being there, the experience, the menu. There's no distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I also <laughs> like to bring it up just to encourage people to dine out even like anywhere. Yeah. Like you're you're welcome. I mean, well, I'd say you're welcome to. Sometimes I find it challenging to make a reservation for one. <laughs> but um, these are all I mean. I, I just I'm in awe of the chefs and I'm glad that they were able to have mm-hmm. the awards this year and celebrate them. Yeah. You know what's great about a lot of these restaurants that I see too is like you thought of like all fine dining restaurants that some of them is like never approachable too. But a lot of these places has have you can walk into Noma and there's opportunities to go and they ha- they have other restaurants that is approachable for for more people too a lot of times like you would think like a restaurant like to get a a reservation is almost impossible or it's like too hotty toddy these guys are like strictly on on the food and they want to invite everyone into their restaurant so it's more accessible to a lot more people to eat the best food in the world it really is it really is and and I mean this. I mean, they're yeah. It's it's, it's a great list. I mean, and it's, it's it, chefs are just doing fabulous things. And they also honored. So as um, there was a uh, they honored Central's uh, Pia Leon, um, uh, which as uh, the world's best female chef this year. And they gave uh, uh, Dominique Crenn, who's uh, was honored as the Icon Award. Um, so there were there were other special awards they gave out, and it looked it looked like a lot of fun too. <laughs> yeah, uh, shout out to uh, Andrew Wong, who is uh, the fifty best scholarship awardee oh, from awesome. Hawaii, actually. Oh, but yay. he's out there in uh, in Copenhagen right now. But he's traveling around the world. So we got some young guns uh, out of Hawaii too. That's terrific. And as I said, never say never. You never know. Um, so yeah congratulations to everyone and i'm just as you know i have my traveling has been more limited this past year but i can't wait to start traveling around the world again and checking out more restaurants because it's like my passion you and me both yeah so um so speaking of which my solo dining experience this week is here in new york city and it's at a restaurant called hawksmoor new york so here's the rundown the location, 109 East 22nd Street at Park Avenue South, New York City. The concept, it's a British chop house. It's offering sustainable seafood and steak, and it has an award-winning cocktail bar. The owners are Hugh Gott and Will Beckett. The executive chef is Matt Bernero, who was formerly at Mineta Tavern, and the restaurant director is Tom Hunt. So why did I go? Well, it's a hot new opening in New York City from this, it's a London-based steakhouse uh, chain. It's very popular in in London. And they were supposed to open, I believe, three days before the pandemic shutdown here in New York City. So it took them, you know, it's a year and a half later, they just got open. So I was excited to go check it out. 
my experience. So I had a reservation for one, I showed proof of vaccination and my ID, um, which is required here. Um, the hosts were lovely. They um, we chatted a bit about the history of the restaurant or the space of the, of the where the location. Uh, got some trivia on that. And they walked me back to the main dining room, which is really impressive. I'll talk more about that uh, in a minute. Uh, I met Neve, the manager. There was a trainee uh, who re- who recognized me, Jameson, who I hadn't seen in many years. Um, so being solo, I kept run. I was running into people I knew, which was fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a really great time. It was a nice selection of non-alcoholic cocktails, um, which I they had a whole book of of drinks, which I was excited to see that as a section since I don't drink. Um, and I asked for Tom, who I'd met before, and he came over and we got to chat a little bit. So it was a good time. So what did I get? I I went with three starters rather than doing a big steak. I got three charcoal roasted oysters with bone marrow. I got charcoal roasted scallops with white port and garlic. And I got their steak tartare, which was a dry-aged rump. Pickled shiitakes were with it. And to drink, I did one of their non-alcoholic drinks. I got the Sour Cherry America, no, and then parentheses, no alk. So it was like Americano alk. Like, it was kind of cute. Um, and it was seed lip spice, cherry juice, and soda. And they were calling them temperates. What, what to drink when you're not drinking. My take, I loved it. I loved everything. I loved my drink. Um, it was really, it was, it was a great combination. Um, and it went really well with the oysters. Uh, the scallops were divine. And the steak tartare was terrific. You know, steak tartare is one of those things I, I'll, I think it depends. It has to be a really good quality restaurant doing good quality meat where I'll get it. And this was certainly the type of place that was doing all that. So it was quite delicious. Um, the ambiance. So it's a grand dining room with 140 seats and it has 30 foot vaulted ceilings. It was the assembly hall of the United Charities building, which was built in 1892 and it's now a national historic landmark. So the building is really cool. It has a partially open kitchen. It has crown molding and stained glass and mosaic floors and wood paneling and also they have chalkboards that are on around the room that are listing some of the meat cuts um and then there's a huge bar up front um so it's it's a really nice space i'd say it's perfect for date night interesting tidbit uh so hawksmoor the first one opened in london in 2006 and um it was quickly evolved as a posh destination for meat lovers. This is their first U.S. location, and it highlights ingredients in the surrounding areas. Personal fun fact. So I had met Tom at the Welcome Conference in New York City a few years ago, so it was really great to see him again. And that night, you know, talk about date night, I saw two people on dates. I saw my friends uh, Brett and Erica and Kathleen and Ronnie. So that's why I said it was perfect for that. Cost of the meal was $70, not including tax gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, their website, hawksmoornyc.com and Instagram, hawksmoornyc. There you go. What you think? You in the mood for steak now? <laughs> I'm always in the mood for steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, I think it's, I think it had really good energy. So I think this place is going to do well. And I'm excited. They, I mean, they, you know, you, you wonder, I think it was a blessing in a sense that they didn't open like a, a week and then the pandemic came. Mm. They were 
like a few days out from opening. Not to say it was a good situation, but um, yeah, it yeah. was a tough year, <laughs> yeah. tough year and a half. Yeah, timing uh, with with restaurants and all that was like that moment where where things just like nobody knew what to do. So I'm glad to see restaurants like that thrive and because of a break. Yeah. Know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Okay, so it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Brett Chisnitz. I'm hoping that's how you pronounce his last name. <laughs> We're going to find out next week. He is the owner of Gotham Restaurant, which is the beloved 1984 restaurant reinvented and reopening in fall 2021. It's in Greenwich Village in New York City. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Gotham. It was Alfred Portelli was the chef for many years, um, and he left a couple years ago to open his own restaurant. And uh, they, yeah, they're rebranding as um, Gotham Restaurants. Currently not open. So, what would you, Sheldon? What would you like to ask Brett? It can be anything. Yeah, um, it can be anything. I think with restaurants, as we continue to open restaurants, you know, there's been every single type of restaurant, uh, you know, every single type of concept known to man opening up. And as I continue to open up restaurants, is it more important to preserve the type of restaurant, like an iconic restaurant, or progress and uh, push the envelope? Uh, so preserve or invent? What is more important? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I'm excited. I'm interested to see how he answers that. Really cool, thoughtful. Awesome. I will find out. And <laughs> everyone can tune in next week to hear. Um, I'm so glad we were able to make this happen today. All the way from Hawaii yes. to, to Brooklyn. Um, I wish you much continued success. I've enjoyed watching your career. And if there's a new season of Top Chef you're on, I'll be rooting you on. You'll get my fan favorite vote. We'll <laughs> that's, see. That's that, that's an energy that I haven't had before in a while. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that energy of putting Top Chef back on out there. Is. Well, I'm thinking when we're talking, I'm thinking the difference between maybe how you walk in Maui and how you walk in New York City to how you walk when you're on Top Chef's yeah. um, uh, whatever stage. It's it's the it's probably faster even than Manhattan. Oh yeah, it is. It's a it's a scramble. It's a world of its own. Yeah, well, I give you, I mean, kudos to you. I can't imagine what it's like to compete on a cooking show on TV. <laughs> so you've done very well. So yeah. wishing you much continued success. Thank I can't you. wait to Thank try you. your food and get back out to Maui. Yes, aloha, everyone. Thank you so much. Aloha. So my guest today has been Sheldon Simeon. He's the chef and owner of Tin Roof in Maui, Hawaii. His first cookbook is out now. It's Cook Real Hawaii. You can get it, where, find it wherever books are sold. And his website is tinroofmaui.com and follow him at Chef Wonder and at Tinroof Maui. Follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. Websites, BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Liam. Thanks again to Sheldon. And thanks to Sheldon's publicist, Nicole, my good friend. Uh, appreciate you setting this up. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with a new show. I hope you'll tune in then. And thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye.
All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.